So, 2023. I feel a little like I'm writing a book. Now, I'm not writing a book, at least not that I know of. But I feel a little like I'm writing a book. And every seven days, every Sunday morning, I release a new chapter for you to consider, to reflect on, to respond to. But the problem is you don't understand that I'm writing a book. And so I've been very concerned all year about trying to tie together each of the messages that we've been doing throughout this entire year. You guys may not necessarily recognize the relationship of today's message to last week's message, to the week before that, to the week before that, to the month before that, to the month before that. Because this entire year, I've been exploring a single topic. So I think maybe it's time for a you are here. An orientation of exactly where we are in the conversation. So we committed to 2023 exploring the single topic of what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus in the 21st century. And the way that we've agreed to talk about that here at Sybil Creek as a church family is to talk about a disciple in this way. A disciple of Jesus spends time with Jesus. We see that in the disciples in the record of the Gospels. They spent time getting to know Jesus, Jesus getting to know them. So a disciple spends time with Jesus. We've also agreed that we're going to think of disciples as people who are seeking to become like Jesus. Jesus had certain character qualities. He had certain attitudes. He lived certain values. And we're asking ourselves, do I have those kinds of character qualities? Do I have those kinds of attitudes? Do I have those sorts of values? And then a disciple endeavors to do what Jesus did. There were certain things that Jesus did throughout his days of his life on this earth. And those things were incredibly important for us as Christians to imitate. And so we're looking at those things. So if you may remember, like January through May, we talked about spending time with Jesus. Then from like June through the end of August, we talked about uh, becoming more like Jesus. And then in September, we began the discussion of endeavoring to do what Jesus did. And I think if you step back from the record of the Gospels, this account of Jesus' life, you just stepped back and just looked at it honestly, what you would find is that there were about five or six things that Jesus did throughout the course of his life. He did them consistently. They were a regular part of how he went about living his life. Now, there might have been eight. There might be 10 or 12, but there is at least five or six that are front and center. And here's how we've described them. Here's some things that Jesus demonstrates as priorities in the way that he went about living his life. He served people in need. You can't read the Gospels without getting the very obvious impression that Jesus was committed to serving people in need. And we just spent the last two Sundays talking about that. He spent time with family. And we're going to begin exploring that here this morning. We see Jesus very passionately, very committed to sharing God's truth with whoever will listen. We see him mentoring others in their faith, particularly as he plays a role in the life of his disciples. And then we see Jesus on numerous occasions and certainly the ultimate act of his life of making sacrifices for the good of others. And what I decided to do is that we would spend two weeks on each of these topics. That would be a total of 10 weeks and that'll take us right up to Christmas. 
context. We spent the last two weeks talking about Jesus and serving people in need, and I want to begin the discussion, and we'll continue it next week, of spending time with family. Does that help? It's all a part of the same discussion. Now, we know that Jesus had a family, an earthly family. We know that from the birth narrative, we meet his father. His father's name was Joseph. He was a carpenter. We know that he had a mother. His mother's name was Mary. And we know that he had some brothers. What you may not know is that he also had some sisters. And we don't know how many brothers and sisters Jesus had, but the Gospels give us some insight to this. We read this in the Gospel of Mark. He went away from there and he came to his hometown and his disciples followed with him. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him, he's in his hometown, they're hearing him teach in the synagogue. Many who heard him were astonished, saying... Where did, where did this man get these things that he knows? What is this wisdom given to him? He, he, we just last remember he was just a kid growing up here in town. But wh where did he get these things that he teaches? What is this wisdom that he has? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter? Alluding to the fact that perhaps Jesus' dad, who was a carpenter, taught him the craftsmanship of carpentry. Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and Judas, who's also referred to as Jude and Simon, not the other two, Judas and Simon that you're more familiar with? And are, that, are not his sisters here with us? And they're saying, wait a second, we remember this kid growing up here. Remember, he comes from a family, he had four brothers, he had some sisters, there's at least two of them, we may have been more. So we know that Jesus had a family. We also read in John's account of Jesus' life, after this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother and his brothers and the disciples, and they stayed there for a few days. So references to Jesus' earthly family. In the book of Acts... All these, all these Christians, they were one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. So we see this reference to Jesus's earthly or physical family. But there's an interesting observation that we make from the Gospels is that when Jesus refers to family, sometimes he had a broader understanding of that term. So we read this. Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived at the place where Jesus was hanging out with some people. And standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. The crowd was so dense that they couldn't get in, so they asked somebody to invite Jesus to come out and meet them. And the crowd was sitting around him, and they told him, uh, Jesus, your mother, your brothers are outside. They're looking for you. Jesus has an interesting response. He goes, well, who are my mother and my brothers? He asked. Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him. And he said, here, these are my mother and my brothers. So my family is whoever does God's will is my brother and my sister's. And my mother. 
So when Jesus heard the word family, he didn't think only of his earthly blood relatives. He heard the idea of anybody who made a decision in faith to follow after what God wanted them to do. So it's interesting, if you spend a lot of time studying the Gospels and the life of Jesus, you can start to see some patterns. You can start to see some things that kind of rise to the surface as being very obvious. Now, it's, it's a rule of life. If, if you spend a lot of time observing something, you become more and more familiar with it. Does that make sense? I mean, there are scientists they study the monarch butterfly. Do you ever know as much as there is to be known about monarch butterflies? It's incredible. But there's these people that know exactly when monarch butterflies are going to begin their migration and come up out of South America to North America into Canada and when exactly in the year they're going to make the migration back and where exactly in South America that they go. How do they know these things? They know these things because they spend a lot of time studying the habits of the monarch butterfly. Some of you in the audience, you may be medical doctors or nurses. And you have a familiarity with the practice of medicine and healthcare. And because you're immersed in that world and you see things again and again and again, it's, it's more likely that you'll be far more efficient at being able to diagnose somebody's particular illness because of your familiarity with the way that things are in that particular area. Does that make sense? Same is true for a lawyer. A lawyer has an efficiency of being able to practice the law because he or she spends a lot of time observing the practice of law and the application of laws to life. Well, I've spent the last... 45 years of my life observing the scriptures with a particular or keen interest in the life of Jesus. And so when I step back and I look at what's revealed about Jesus in the record of, of the gospels, there's, there's a pattern that rises to the top and is at the top of the list. And here's what I've observed. Of all the things Jesus did in the course of his life while on earth, his relationship with his heavenly father was his absolute highest priority. If you look at the life of Jesus and how he lived his life on this earth, you will see the obvious pattern that there was nothing more important to him in all of life than time spent with his heavenly father. In fact, I'd say it this way. Everything else in Jesus' life ran downstream from the time that he spent with his father. Everything began with his relationship with his heavenly father and everything came out of his relationship with his father. I mean, just think about it. Jesus' faith for everyday life came from his relationship with his heavenly father. 
His fortitude in the face of temptation came from his relationship with his heavenly father. His focus in the leadership of others, developing the disciples who followed him, that all came from his relationship with his father and his faithfulness against resistance and rejection, particularly in those final days of his life on this earth, that all came from his relationship with his father in heaven. Guess what? Guess what? It won't be any different for us. It won't be different for us that faith for everyday life is going to be nurtured and cultivated in a relationship with our Heavenly Father. The fortitude in the face of temptation in your life is going to come out of your relationship with your Heavenly Father, your focus in the leadership of others. Any parents in the room? The focus of trying to raise kids these days is going to come from is going to come from a relationship with your heavenly father. Your faithfulness against the challenges and difficulties of life. Staying true to your relationship with Jesus. Is going to come from cultivating your relationship with your heavenly father. So, so we see this as a pattern in the life of Jesus. And here's just a couple of verses that illustrate it. We read this in in the Gospel of Luke. He went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue. Notice these words. As was his what? His custom. This was his routine. This was the discipline of his life. It's the Sabbath. Here's what I do. I go to the synagogue to worship because it was a part of the way that he developed a relationship with his heavenly father. We read this in Luke chapter 5. Yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places where he could be alone to what? To have a conversation with his heavenly father. We read this in Luke 6. One of those days as Jesus went out to a mountainside for the purpose of what? To spend time with his father. And he spent the night praying to God because it was so central to his life. Luke chapter 9. Once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him. We just see this pattern in the life of Jesus. Luke chapter 11. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he had finished He went about the work of his father because he understood what it was through the time that he spent with his father. Then Jesus with with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane and he said to them, sit here while I go over there to do what? To spend time with my heavenly father. This is just a few verses from the life of Jesus that show this discipline of Jesus spending time nurturing a relationship with his heavenly father. You know, um, I'm, not, I'm not actively engaged on much of social media anymore. I used to be on Twitter. Had to get away from Twitter. A lot of anger there. I had to remove myself from all of that chaos. For years, I was active on Facebook. It's a place for me to write and a place for me to share things that were going on in my life and, and nurture a relationship with friends. But when I went on my Sabbath this summer, when I left to go to my Sabbath, I decided no social media, no, no Facebook. And, 
And I got back and I said, you know what? I don't, I don't need that anymore. I haven't been back on. I still have an Instagram account, but I don't do any correspondence with anybody on. I just post pictures of things that are happening in my life. Now, if those of you who are on uh, Instagram, did I say Instagram? I did. Okay. Uh, those of you who are on Instagram, you know there's a, there's a feature called Explore. And you can hit the little icon, and you'll just get an endless, endless feed of all sorts of information and materials. And over time, there's an algorithm based on the things that you select. Your feed will be more of the things that you're interested in. So if you go to my Instagram feed on Explore, you'll see things like um, artist, because I'm an artist and I'm interested in the work of other artists. Um, you'll see things of woodworking because I'm interested in woodworking. You'll see things about um, triathlons, something I'm involved in. You'll see a lot of, lot of reels about dog rescues because I'm into dog rescues. And then you'll see a lot of things about personal development, self-improvement, and related to endurance athletics. Because that's something I'm interested in. And like two weeks ago, I saw this reel come up in my feed and I clicked on it. It was a personal development kind of information. Now, it was interesting. I'd been reading about and talking about this particular topic with other people for years. But that day, I saw it move. I saw it in some sort of a video image, and suddenly it made sense like no reading I'd ever done before. And it was on this idea of motivation versus discipline. And I found it so instructive that I thought I'd share it with you. You guys ready? Here, here's the illustration that I saw. Motivation sort of goes like this along a baseline. It can go above the line and below the line. Sometimes it's really short and succinct and other times it's really long. But motivation comes and goes in all sorts of different intensities. But discipline, discipline looks more like this. Every day doing the same thing because it has value. And the discipline is done every day, regardless of how you might be feeling in your life at one time or another. Does that make sense? So listen to me. When it comes to spending time with your heavenly father, when it comes to you nurturing a relationship with God, what I'm going to tell you is that the motivation to do that is going to come and go. And it's going to be all over the place based on a variety of influences in your life. But the important thing to remember is that in developing a relationship with your Heavenly Father, it takes discipline. It's something that you cultivate as a habit in your life every single day. 
this quote that went with that uh, reel went like this. Motivation is the spark of inspiration. It's the initial push, the excitement, and the reason why we start something. It is often emotion-driven and can be high some days and low on others. When it comes to running, it's more often low. Motivation can be influenced by external factors like praise, rewards, or recognition. On the other hand, discipline is about consistent action. Even when the initial, initial excitement fades, discipline keeps us going. It's a conscious decision to stick to a routine or task regardless of our feelings. Discipline comes from within and is a commitment to ourselves and our goals. Remember, while motivation gets us started, it's discipline that keeps us going. Your feelings, your motivation for honoring the practices that it takes to nurture a relationship with your Heavenly Father, like a study of the scriptures or prayer or serving others, or attending worship. I'll just tell you, they'll be all over the place when it comes to motivation. Sometimes you're going to get really, really busy. There's so much to do every day that you're going to think to yourself, I don't have time to spend with my Heavenly Father today. I'll get back to it at another time. Or maybe I just don't feel well. Like physically, I'm kind of sick right now. And I just am not motivated to do it. Or maybe I'm sad. Maybe I'm discouraged. Maybe I'm disappointed. I have feelings that are keeping me from honoring the discipline of spending time with my Heavenly Father. Maybe it's relational. Your marriage is so conflicted. Something going on at work with one of your supervisors and you're so worked up and you think, I don't have time to spend with my Heavenly Father because I've just got so much other stuff going on in my life. Or maybe, maybe it's spiritual for you. And you're having a hard time trusting God with what's going on in your life right now. What I'll tell you is those sorts of things, they can influence your motivation about spending time with your Heavenly Father. But ultimately, for the life of a disciple of Jesus, it comes back to discipline. It comes back to recognizing the inherent worth of spending time with Jesus because Jesus modeled for us the important priority of his relationship with his father. And we will not be any different. Interesting passage from the Gospels in regards to this in Mark chapter 1. Very early in the morning... Now, if you're a morning person, you like words like that. <laughs> if you're more of a night owl, you're like, does this mean I'm going to have to spend time with my father at five o'clock in the morning? No, it doesn't mean that. What this means is that it was the habit of Jesus that he got up very early in the morning. And while it was still dark, he got up out of bed. He left the house because evidently there wasn't enough privacy in where he was staying to be able to do what he was interested in doing. He left the house and he went off to a solitary place. He just found a place where he could be alone. And this is where he prayed. 
We don't know how long he spent that morning in prayer in a relationship with his heavenly father. But we read this, Simon and his companions, they went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, where were you? Everyone's looking for you. You ever felt like that? Moms, just trying to find a few minutes to cultivate a relationship with your heavenly father. And everybody in the house is looking for you. Mom, where's my socks? Mom, where's my shoes? Mom, can you come in here and help me with this? And you know what that is. And then, Mom, 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 everyone's looking for you. Dads, men, maybe you feel that differently. Maybe, maybe it's your kids, but maybe it's, it's everybody at work who can't seem to operate quite as well without your input. And everyone's looking for you. And I love, I love Jesus' response. He feeling this sense of urgency of all these people who want something from him. And he says this. Jesus replied, um, yeah, I know a lot of people want some time with me, but let's go somewhere else. Let's go to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. Because that is why I have come. So he traveled throughout, wait a second, he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and driving out demons. Wait a second, there were all those people who needed him, who wanted him, who were demanding time and attention from him, and he just moved on. Why? Well, because he understood that his highest work was that he was to proclaim the message of God to anyone who would listen. But where did he discern that? Where was that focus made clear? Where did that fortitude come that he could walk away from the demands on his life to do something that was more important? He found that focus, he found that fortitude in his regular pattern of spending time with his father. One commentator writes this. He was praying there. That was the goal. This was the activity of this early morning habit. He went there to commune with God, to talk with God, and to be in a posture and an environment where God could have Christ's undivided attention. So let me just stop and ask you, don't raise your hand, don't answer out loud. Do you have a place and a time in your life where God has your undivided attention? Like, be honest to yourself. Your undivided attention, meaning the phone isn't in the room, to where it can flash or beep or hum to let you know, oh, somebody else wants me? No, you're giving God your undivided attention. Do you have that place? Do you have that time? Do you have that habit? No doubt there were 
no doubt this was where Christ was encouraged, where he received the Father's word, where he gained insight and empowerment that he would need throughout the day, where he simply delighted in the Father at whose right hand there is fullness of joy and pleasure evermore. This was the source, the power hub of his life and his ministry. Do you get the point? Simon and his companions went to look for him. And then when they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. This is urgent. And Jesus replied, no, we have something more important to do. How good are you at discerning the difference between what is urgent and what is important? And I'll tell you. From personal experience and from my interest in the subject, the only way that you'll be able to discern the difference between what is urgent and what is important is spending time with your Heavenly Father who will give you that kind of discernment. I love it. Everyone's looking for you, and Jesus says, Let us go somewhere else. Because that is why I've come. I have something more important to do than to chase after all the other things that somebody else wants from me. How well are we equipped to do that sort of thing? Jesus was able to distinguish between the urgent and the important through the practice of spending time with his father. And in the end, nobody else's approval was of greater importance to him than that of his heavenly father. Do you get that? Nobody else's approval was of greater importance to Jesus than the approval of his father in heaven. I want to do what he sent me here to do. I don't think it's different for any of us as Christ followers. So there's this very interesting statement that Jesus makes on numerous occasions in the record of the Gospels. And this, this statement rarely gets any time or attention. We're always interested in the thing that it's related to. We pay attention to that thing and not to this statement of Jesus. But I think there's something really powerful and valuable in this statement. We read it a couple different places in John chapter 13 where we read about Jesus washing his disciples' feet. He gets back to the table. He puts back on his rabbi garments. He sits at the head of the table. He says, now that I, your Lord and your teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I've set an example that you should do as I've done for you. Very truly, I tell you. Now, here's the statement that rarely gets any attention. We talk about foot washing. We talk about Jesus modeling, getting up from the table in his position as a rabbi, taking off his rabbi garments and doing the, the act of the lowest servant in the house, being willing to do that when nobody else wants to do it. That was what he was modeling for them. But no one ever talks about this statement. Very truly, I tell you. No servant is greater than his master. Nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. 
So now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. But this statement here, no servant is greater than his master. No messenger greater than the one who sent him. Elsewhere in John chapter 15, remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. Jesus wants his disciples to get this concept. Matthew chapter 10, a disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant to be like his master. What's he teaching his disciples? He's teaching them, you ready? He's teaching them, you will not be an exception to the rule. That if your master models something, you as the servant, you're not going to be the exception to the rule. If the one who sends you as a messenger is committed to certain things, they're not somehow going to end run the process and do something different. So here's the lesson. You will not somehow be the exception for what it takes to live a life of devotion to God. If Jesus, the Son of God, believed it necessary to honor the discipline of nurturing his relationship with God the Father, you, me, we will not be exempt from the same priority or the same practice. A Christian should not expect that they can successfully or effectively follow Jesus as one of his disciples without honoring the practice of Jesus where he made it a priority to nurture his relationship with his heavenly father through time spent in the study of the scriptures, prayer, and worship. Does this make sense? That if you and I as Christians long to be good followers of Jesus, disciples of Jesus in the 21st century, if we think for a moment there will be any success at that, but we don't have to spend time nurturing our relationship with our Heavenly Father. I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to study the scriptures. I don't have time to show up at church for worship. If you think that you're going to follow Christ without honoring the practices that Christ models as being absolutely indispensable to a life well lived as a person of faith, you're, you're fooling yourself. So this series that we're in right now is about doing what Jesus did. So I'd say it this way. Jesus honored a priority of spending time to nurture his relationship with his heavenly father. We see this crystal clear as a principle in the life of Jesus. Let's not make it any harder than it needs to be. The lesson would be that as his disciples, we too ought to make it a priority to nurture our relationship with our Heavenly Father. So, we're in this together, gang. I'm not an exception to the rule. If you and I are interested in following Christ as his disciples in the 21st century... Let me ask you this question. Like I have to ask myself this question. What are you doing every day? 
to nurture your relationship with your heavenly father. Where are you going to find a place where God has your undivided attention? What are you doing to nurture a heart of response, a heart of repentance, a a heart that's open to whatever it is that God might want to say to you and provide direction in your life? What, what, What are you doing on a consistent basis? I'll just tell you, if you're kind of hanging on from Sunday morning to Sunday morning and that's it, don't be surprised that your journey of following Jesus is frustrating, is disappointing, and in fact, disillusioning, because your soul needs input far more frequently than waiting seven days between Sundays. So let me ask you to do this. Would you bow your head? This is just a moment for you to have a conversation with God. Just be honest. In these moments, talk to God about what what you're hearing right now. What's going on in your mind, in your heart, about the priority and the practice of spending time with God as your heavenly father. I ask you to stand. Let's pray together and let me pray for you. Our Father in heaven, we're all busy. We all got a lot going on. We all have any number of people, number any number of events any number of commitments just pulling at us all the time, places to be, people to see, things to do. Sometimes, Father, we all battle being discouraged or frustrated or angry. And it's tempting. It's tempting to push you out of our life To not have any time for you. And we confess that to you here this morning. But we ask father that as people who are curious and interested in learning more about our faith. And what it means to be followers of Jesus. I pray that the example of Jesus that we saw here today. Would be both instructive. And inspirational. That it might be a wake-up call or an invitation back 
to the priority and the practice of spending some time with you each day. Nurturing a relationship with you that celebrates your love, your forgiveness, and your guidance in our life. God, help us with these things. I pray and ask in the name of Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.